Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Andy J Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast, the third one for this week, if you're listening in real time. On Tuesday, we brought you Keith Lemon. On Wednesday, Ashley Banjo. And today, Friday, we are giving you a double header of joyful human actors. What a random way of saying it. <laughs> We've got Angus Imre, star of The Crown, Fleabag, The Kid Who Would Be King, and just a, such a lovely, lovely fella. He's Celia Imre's son, actually, and, and you'll hear from this. He's a thoughtful charming, very interesting chap. I, I really enjoyed his company. And we also have Tamsin Althwaite, um, partly because we forgot to put it out when I spoke to her a few weeks ago. And, well, she's just a lovely lady and she gives a great chat. So, yeah, we thought they'd be a really fun team to have in this bonus podcast for you. I can also tell you that on the show next week, I'm going to be able to bring you some very special conversation. Firstly, we have... Another conversation booked in with Mr. Jeremy Clarkson, following on from the hour we spent with him at the very end of last year in December. We're having another uh, half hour or so together to chat about farming and life and all sorts of things. Really looking forward to that. So that'll be with you next week. And not one, but two Oscar winners. Oh, yes. Florian Zeller and Olivia Colman. Florian Zeller, the playwright and director who has just written the screenplay for and directed The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins, who won an Oscar for it, incidentally, and Olivia Colman, who was Oscar nominated. It is a sensational movie, and I had a short amount of time with the two of them, Olivia Colman and Florian Zeller, two Oscar winners, and my goodness, they were so, so lovely. So on the way for you next week here on the Andy J Podcast, not one, but two Oscar winners and Jeremy Clarkson again. Yeah, love it. Anyway, here we go. Enjoy this. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Go make someone smile. And thank you for your company. Please do subscribe. Tell your friends. Let's get everyone listening to these shows because some of the chats we're having. Oh, love it. Here is the brilliant Angus Imre, followed by Tamsin Althwaite. The Andy J Podcast. Now, I'm delighted to be able to welcome my next guest. He's a man you will know from so many unbelievable productions like Fleabag, The Crown, the movie The Kid Who Would Be King. And if you love your radio dramas, well, he's only in The Archers. It's the one and only <laughs> Angus Imre. How are you doing, Angus? Hello. I'm doing really well, Andy. How are you doing? Nice I'm, to be here. It's really, really good to be chatting to you. I, I had to drop The Archers. In. I'm, I'll be honest with you, Angus. I've, I've not listened to The Archers for a very long time, but it is staggeringly well known, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Very, very well known. It's a proper institution. Very, very popular with people's mums and aunties, it tends to be. <laughs> and, you know, but the thing is, I've suddenly become a fan now. I think it just, once you start listening 
and then you just can't stop. It just is that um, constant thing of week by week and you get invested in the characters and people absolutely adore it. Yeah, they do. You, I mean, it's 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 not a cult following by any stretch of the imagination. This is a proper major fandom for the Archers, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And actually, I think it goes to the heart of what an intimate way of telling stories um, audio is. You know, I love listening to the radio myself on programmes like yours and it goes to the heart of getting that really intimate connection with a listener where it feels as if you're the only person listening. It's almost as if it's for you. Um, And I think the Archers manages to do that amazingly well. It's great to be a part of. Well, you've got massive brownie points with me for saying that, Angus. And I, I, I can reveal to you that the Andy J Show is made exclusively for you. So that's OK. I mean, that's oh, all right. For the listener who's listening to this, it's just for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I meant just specifically for you, Angus. But no, we're all good. I mean, there are obviously I love a, it. a lovely army of talk radio fans that join us as well, which is absolutely brilliant. And also, am absolutely. I right in saying, I might have got this wrong, Angus, so apologies if I have, but were you also in industry, which I, I've watched recently on, on a catch up on BBC? Yeah, I was. I played um, a character who wasn't really in the midst of the banking world. I was called. He was called Dig Dog, and he was he ran his own student journalism business. So he was really on the periphery, but still involved in the drug taking and the um, hedonism that surrounded it. Um, but yeah, I really loved playing that character. It was a great, um, you know, drawing on inspiration from people you might have met or know known um yeah it was good fun i've got to pray uh that he comes back for the next series yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i tell you what you've had some awesome character names haven't you, you say that was dig dog then there was obviously creepy jake which is just glorious in yeah. bag. <laughs> what, what a character i mean you sort of know when they send you the script through was he called creepy jake in the script please say yes I actually think he was just called Jake. Oh. But 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 the thing is is that you know the the way that Fleabag works is I think Priest as well was also just called Priest in the script. But of course he's become known as Hot Priest. Yep. Yep. So they they it's amazing how the reception has almost changed <laughs> the character names into yeah. these you know, adjectives. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll happily you. take creepy take anytime. <laughs> yeah, not technically the character name, but nonetheless what he was known as. <laughs> and then, of course, I mean, we've got to we've got to touch on the crown because crikey, yeah. what what a phenomenal series that has turned out to be. You've obviously played Prince Edward season four, and it's mm. it's just, I mean, it's a colossus, isn't it? It, that's exactly what it is. It's an amazing, amazing project to be a part of, and really felt at times as if I was stepping back in time. I'll never forget the moment I saw um, Emma Corrin playing Diana Mm. from behind. um, And she was wearing an iconic Diana um, outfit and her hair was just perfect. And it really felt like I was stepping into some alternate world or stepping back 40 years or something. It was extraordinary. Um, It was an amazing thing to be a part of. and, And I feel really, really lucky to have, had that opportunity and incredibly well written you know this really and truly prince edward only has one chance in that series to show you who he is you know um but there were so many nuances in that one lunch scene that i had with the queen as prince edward that can really take you on a journey of this person who feels as if they deserve something for having been um their services to the country and the royal family but also um, is quite hurt and is being bullied at school. It's a real nuanced um, perspective. Yes, and it's. I think it's changed some minds 
you know, mm. both both obviously here in the UK and and probably abroad about yeah. how we perceive the royals. I would have thought. I mean, you know, it's, right? Because you, you you feel a real sort of invasive connection, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. They they didn't choose this life, and so it's a it's a strange um, mixture between the sense of duty to the country and also perhaps not wanting to be there entirely. And I think that the success of the show is, of course, in bringing to light both the private and the public. Mm. And it's an exploration. We don't know really what's gone on in private, but it's a real intimate exploration of what we imagine might be going on in private. And that can often be incredibly different from the exterior that, that we as the public see of the royal family's life. So definitely, I'm sure it's increased sympathy um, in many respects, and 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 it might have changed people's opinions in in another as well, which I also think is okay. I would love to know what a, what a bona fide member of the royal family actually thinks of it, because you you just know they've yeah. watched it, don't you? I mean, they've clearly been gripped to it. Your curiosity would be pricked far too much not to, wouldn't yeah. it? It would just yeah. be extraordinary to see such a and 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 done so beautifully and done with you know or, or practically replica. Um, sets and, and costume and everything, it would be far too intriguing to, to miss out, I think. I'd love to get a line just from her match, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's all right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like yeah. season three, you know, or something just like just a random. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Wasn't she tall or whatever? You know, just yeah, be brilliant, be brilliant. Uh, Angus, I feel like I'm sort of brushing through your career, but you've done so much. But you're only 26. You know, what's so Pennyworth, Emma, Kingdom? You've been a busy boy. How? I mean, you started at age five. Obviously, I I must assume having parents who were both successful actors w- was probably a help in in this thing. Oh, I mean, that's 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 definitely true. I think it's funny for so long I've I've wanted to try and um you know, forge my own path and be very independent and, and reject any idea that it, it was influenced by the fact that my mum and dad um, are actors. But I, like like anything, I think that the fact that they did have a career in it, it just meant that I knew that it was possible, I suppose. So it doesn't mean that my my passion for it isn't as um, as real, but it just means that I knew that it was a possibility, I guess, as a career. And yeah, I, I and I did grow up around um, film sets and TV sets um, when, since I was very young. But I suppose I, I also like to think of just my career proper starting since I left drama school, if you know what I mean. So yeah. that's 2017. Then when you're an adult actor, then it feels like you're in a different realm, I think, um, as, as a career, you know. Yes, absolutely. It's it's still sort of playing until it needs a paycheck. <laughs> I think that's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I was. I must say, we welcomed your mum on the show a few months ago, and she was just mm. the most spectacular company. I thought she was wonderful. Loved chatting she with your mum. She was. Oh yeah, she's she's an amazing mum and person. Yeah. Yeah, no, sure. she was she was really brilliant. Um, Angus, I've got to talk to you about Homeward Bound. This is the this is the new yeah. drama that you've been doing with Creation Theatre. Now, you've you've already touched on your your love of all things audio, and of course, with the Archers and so on, you, you can't you can't fail there. So, tell me, <laughs> tell me about Homeward Bound because what and I want to hear about the theatre company as well because I've done a little research on them and they seem very impressive. And this is, I'm pleased mm. to say, an audio drama that's going to be accessible for all. Absolutely, it is. 
it's creation are amazing. Creation have been one of the top innovators in theatre, if you like, during the pandemic. They've really, really created some amazing shows which people have been able to access on Zoom from their award-winning Alice in Wonderland. And they've been watched over in over 15 countries across continents um, during that whole time. Um, they've really been at the forefront of that um, theatrical innovation when we haven't been able to gather in a space. Yeah. But um, meanwhile, I've been, you know, as I already touched on, really, really loving listening to things um, this whole time. I think that it's such a, a special way of connecting to information or debate and, and also storytelling. Um, and so I really wanted to make something for audio. And I reached out to Creation because I knew that they uh, might be interested in this um, with this play that I've written, which is about um, a family scattering their father's ashes, essentially. And uh, it came from a personal experience and sort of discovering that in the aftermath of a bereavement or in the aftermath of a death, um, there, there really aren't any set rules, you know, and I found that we were suddenly rushing towards functional things, you know, like mm. ringing up and registering the death or uh, speaking to someone about maybe writing something about him or thinking about what you would say in a tribute. And it all felt very functional. It didn't really have a connection to any ritual or something that might be spiritual. I don't know. Um and so the play is an exploration of that and, and them trying to remember certain fragments of what the person, William, who's died, would have wanted, you know, where he would have wanted his ashes scattered, um, where they used to go when they were young. And all of these things and all these memories are um, forgotten, really. Anyway, I, I, I'd written this play and I reached out to Creation Theatre and I had an amazing call with Lucy Askew, the artistic director, in which she loved the, the script and said, let's make it. And let's not just make an audio piece that people can just click on and listen to. Let's make something that is an immersive experience. So let's include illustrations with it. So although they've been really, really um, innovative in their approach with Zoom, they, they want, the creation want to now moves away from the screen. We're all a bit fed up of screens. And so if we can just take a moment to sit down, look at the illustrations that have been made for this play by the incredible Lucy Jollo, and maybe even color them in, whilst you really take the time for half an hour just to sit and listen and experience that as it is, not doing anything else but listening and looking at the images, then you can create that holy and special experience of being in the theatre and taking the time to actually be with your own thoughts and, and connect what might be happening in the play with your own life. Yes, I mean, it, it's, a, it's it'll be a real immersion, won't it? Which I think is... Yeah. I, I love how the envelopes are being pushed here. It's it's a completely different way of doing it. And, and that's exactly how, you know, theatre and, and, and the media landscape can evolve and develop and, and continue to deliver excellence and, and something special. And I, mm. I you sort of, of course, you've, you've, you've told us how you wrote this play and, and it is centred around the, the scattering of, of this father-husband's ashes. And, yeah. And, and you've obviously said that you've, you've written it yourself from from personal experience you know your your father benjamin he he died and i'm assuming that was informing the play yeah definitely uh, certainly the case that that was the initial impetus to write it um the characters of course are 
are very different from um, people in my family, but um, there's there's a, there's a huge influence there, um, and it, it, as I've said, it, it came from that lack of kind of there's no ceremony I found there was no there was nothing I knew what to do you know in the aftermath and you you find yourself coming out with these cliches like you know oh, I need to be on my own or I don't know you, you sort of do what you feel might be expected of you when somebody dies whereas actually now I've, I reflect on it I feel like I wanted to be surrounded by people and I wanted to have some ritual or ceremony to cling to in order to be able to remember them and I feel like um the functional things became at the forefront. You know, where are we going to take have the funeral? What are we going to do? Um, and that's how the play starts is with these phone calls in the immediate aftermath um, where they're sort of, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And, and everyone on the phone says it's too early to do all this. You know, don't worry, just take some time. Um, but but the, the important thing is the play is a really, really funny uh, exploration of that and and as anyone who's listening who's lost someone will know mingled in with the sorrow is like moments of just total comedy um where you're all floundering and try, trying to get things right particularly with something like scattering the ashes it's hardly ever what you imagine it's going to be um and uh, and it's very difficult to create a holy atmosphere, particularly if there's a young kid around, which is what happens in the play. There's a six-year-old called Sean, and it's difficult for him to grasp what's going on. Um, so it's it's um, I'd, I'd describe it as a comedy, but also one that's incredibly heartfelt and warm. It sounds very special, Angus. I must say, I, just sort of listening Thanks. to the way you we speak about it, and and of course, you know, like you say, there's no guidebook to grief. Nobody sort of tells no. you. Well, listen, at some point in your life, somebody of of great importance is going to die, and the yeah. first thing you're going to have to do is identify a body, and then you're going to have to <laughs> yeah. choose a coffin and decide who comes to and whereabouts <laughs> you'll be doing it. And nobody tells you this stuff, and and you no. know, you've just taken in this this life changing, heart wrenching, devastating news that you'll never actually recover from you just have to learn to mm. live with but meanwhile in that immediate hang on I still haven't processed what you've just said there's a bunch of practical things that need doing you use the word functional and it's it's just an absolute head f isn't it it's just like uh, what how do I yeah. have to do what I mean hang on but this has just happened to me and are you kidding yeah it's, it's totally crazy. totally and I think that sometimes we move towards you know that's a way of coping is going oh well if I do this this and this and this then it'll then it'll be okay again. You know, if I perform these functional tasks well, then suddenly I'll have it'll be all right. And I think um, that you need somewhere to put your energies, don't you? Yeah. And there's there's a difference. Uh, you know, in some cultures you might do that in a very ritualized or ceremonial way, or may, if that if you're religious, then that might be the case. But I think that um, what I've written is. In, in you know a secular world and, and and in the world of the play in which you know William the um, man who's died he there's a line that's quoted of his way says I'm not remotely connect interested in anything sorry I'm not interested in anything remotely connected to religion he said so 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 the the it's an the play is an expression of how do you then um create something which is beyond the, the functional 
for someone who doesn't want a ceremony, you know, and because really it's for the people who are left, you know, mm-hmm. h- how they can deal with things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that sometimes all our energies are poured into those um, practical um, things that we can do. And actually, I suppose the play can is, is hoping to explore what's beyond that, what might be a bit more spiritual and a bit more connected to something holy. Gosh. I mean, that sounds incredible. And, and, I, and might I just say, Angus, you know, for you to be this sort of switched on and clued up at, at the tender age of 26, I'm a very old man. So, you know, you, you, sound, you sound like you've got the whole world ahead of you and, and you, you know, the depth of understanding that's already present in your life is, uh, is one that will set you on the path for remarkable things. So, I mean, good for you, Angus. It's, uh, Thanks, Andy. I'm really looking forward to hearing it, actually. It sounds, it sounds like an incredible piece of work. Um, Obviously, we need to do the uh, the business bits. How do we how do we get involved? How can we hear it, see the illustrations, and so on? Great. Well, you can go on Creation Theatre website, um, and this will be up there, and you'll be able to buy a ticket for a fiver. Can you believe that? Just a fiver um, on from the fourth of June. So we're recording it as we speak. You know, very or, or you know. Um, this week and, and the next and then the illustrations are being printed and we'll get all the envelopes um, fitted up and, and sent to you so it'll be a real bespoke um, experience for everyone receiving it through their front door from the 4th of June Great, and that's creationtheatre.co.uk uh, That's right Brilliant, Angus, wow, listen, good luck with this I will, uh, I will you. be spending my fiver and, and, and watching it and, and colouring in and enjoying the illustrations and so on as soon as possible. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Andy. Thanks for having me on. The Andy J Podcast. My final guest this week, she was the darling of EastEnders, Hotel Babylon, Red Cap, and more recently has been directing her good buddy Denise Van Outen in the theatre. As well as her passions for the arts and her famous friendship circle, she's also extremely passionate about recycling. And she joins me now to talk about her work with material focus on how we're binning our partner's tat, sometimes without them even knowing about it. I am delighted to welcome Tamsin Outhwaite. How are you doing, Tamsin? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Um, do you know, I'm slightly nervous about this one because I think I'm going to learn some things about my missus and where certain things have gone. Ah, because she's a secret thrower. Well, sometimes secret, sometimes very blatant. But, you ah. know, <laughs> it's, it, this is yes. one of those things. I like this. I've read this study, but I'd love you to tell us about it because it's, firstly, it's a lot of fun. But secondly, it's a little unnerving when I see some of the it- statistics. It is unnerving, but if your if your partner is sucking away some of your electricals you don't need, they're doing a good thing because you're not you don't need them. Basically, in the UK alone, we hold on to five hundred twenty seven million small old electricals that we don't use. Um, that's one hundred fifty five thousand tons of waste are thrown away. So when I found out about recycling your electricals, it was because I had a load of you know, stuff that I didn't know. I always thought, oh, I'll get that that old laptop reconditioned. or And once it's been through the whole family, it then needs to go somewhere where, you know, it's doing a lot better than sitting collecting dust. So you can donate them <clears throat> on their campaign, Little Spring Clean. As far as your partner's stuff goes, I'd like to suck away my partner's PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that gets me. But then I'd have my daughters and my partner 
you know, they'd notice in about four seconds. <laughs> yes. Well, also, that's in use. I mean, surely that would be... I, I kind of understand if something's been gathering dust and hasn't been touched for a long time. I kind of get that. But you can't yes. take things out that are in use, surely. No, you can't. It's just because I'm not a gamer. So, you know, that's just me being like an, a bit old for all these uh, games. <laughs> but as far as the... You know, you know, why do we keep kettles that we don't use? Because in case the kettle you know, break. So you've got a backup kettle. Why? You don't need a backup kettle. Well, actually, uh, th- that's a very salient point because when I talk about my missus throwing out some of my things, a kettle happens to be the point of contention f- for us. Ah, it's a, and it's and it's still it's still raw. To be honest with you, I I'll, I'll explain it to you. You tell me if I'm being irrational here. This was a kettle that my now deceased grandmother had given me. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't bring myself to throw it away. It had a quirky whistle. It made me think of her all the time. Yes, it wasn't being used. And, it, you know, it was gathering dust. But it did get thrown out without my knowledge. And I was Ah, uh, like, see, that's different because that is sentimental. That's emotional. Yeah. You're, you're attached to that emotionally. But you're not attached to, like, a spare printer, are you? Oh, no. No, 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 no. And if it was a kettle I just bought myself, off it goes. Bin it off. Not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah, I'm, was, with, I'm afraid I'm with you there. I was very upset. I mean, I wasn't angry. I was just sad. Yeah. But you've got the memories. You've got, you know, you've got all the, the memories of her. The kettle is not going to, I think you you, you need to, how, how many years ago is this? Oh, this is, a, this is some time. I mean, we've had three kids since yeah. then. I mean, t- to be fair. Oh, okay. We've got to let this one go. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I think I actually think about the kettle more since she hurled it out than when it was just sitting in the cupboard. So yeah. maybe it was a good thing. I think I, I would advise you to go around and just look at the electricals you don't use rather than like being a secret thrower. I mean, I'm a hoarder, a real bad hoarder. So what I'm doing is I've, I know I've got like hair appliances. Are they? Yes, they're small appliances. And they're like a, a straightener and a, a tong thing and rollers. And, you know, I don't think I do all that with my hair very much anymore. So... I mean, I've got an awful lot to suck out. I mean, if you go to the website, recycleyourelectricals.org.uk, you can find out where your nearest point is, where you can uh, drop off your stuff, and then you just feel cleaner. Your conscious feels clean. And, yeah, I'm, I feel a lot happier like when I've done a clear out, especially with the electrical. Yeah, and I think it's important to think about that website as well, because actually that way they're not just going to landfill, are they? That's, they're actually getting a proper second life. They will be used in, in the right ways. Absolutely. So they either get donated to people that need them more than, than us. Um, uh, they're either mended, they're reconditioned, or that where they go is they get recycled. So it's not chucking them in the bin. Yeah. They're being recycled. It's the same, actually, isn't it, with mobile phones? You know, some people like to keep old mobile handsets because there's some sort of memory to them rather than just wiping them and, and getting a few quid back for them or whatever. And I just go, yeah. what? What's the thing yeah. behind that? I mean, where do you, how do you wipe a mobile phone? Do you have to go to someone to do it? No. You can do that yourself. Can yeah, you? it's, it's very, right, especially so if you've got an iPhone. An awful lot of people have older iPhones where the, the screen's smashed or whatever. So you can wipe it, go online, look at recycle your electricals, give them, give them away, give them to someone who needs them more. Yeah. You can donate them somewhere else. So much less waste and you're doing so much you know, you're doing better things with them. It just feels good, doesn't it? It does. It does. Now, a slight grey area 
that I've seen in this study, and I'd love to get your steer on this because I, I don't know how I feel yet, is the uh, the discarding of wedding items. Oh, well... You've made the sound that I made in my head when I read it. Oh, oh. To be honest, what, is that like a revenge thing, like through divorce or something, <laughs> where people... I don't understand why... I mean, I suppose my, I often think, you know, I should maybe donate my wedding dress to someone, but my daughter did say to me that that might be the only time she ever wears a dress when... And she'd like to have my old wedding dress. So now it's in the loft and it's being kept for her. Yeah. But apart from the dress, um, yeah, I I don't really have much else from my wedding. What do you mean, like photos? Well, no, what they're saying, so the study says one in five people, so 21%, have admitted yeah. to throwing out their loved one's wedding dress or wedding suit. Now, I, unfortunately, I'm not equipped with the knowledge of whether this is from a divorce or whether it's still in the marriage. If it's a divorce, I kind of get it straight away. You know, yeah, yeah that makes sense. But if you're still married, yeah. surely that's a risk. Yeah, but is it, is it a sentimental attachment that you don't need? The day's happened. You're still there together. Maybe maybe the wedding suit is not necessary and maybe somebody else could get married in it. Yeah, that's true. That's not throwing it out. That's just donating it or recycling. You're sort of saying we need to take a bit of a more, is zen the right word here? A bit of a more zen I agree. Approach. I think it is zen. It's the clutter, isn't it? It's a tidy house, tidy mind or whatever they say. Yes. That saying of like, if you can unclutter your house, you it's cleansing and it makes your, your mind and soul feel less cluttered as well. Was... And I suppose that's what it is. But I'm looking around this room now thinking, gosh, I really need to chuck some stuff out. <laughs> this is like the electrical equivalent of, do you remember yes. that show on Netflix, which was where the, the people were like, you asked the question, does this bring me joy? We're like going into their old wardrobes and chucking yes. out T-shirts from high school and stuff. That I... was when they did, yeah, the cleansing of the... the clothes yeah which i have just done one of those recently but there is something about the electricals because it feels like it's new like the ca this campaign is new when i found out about it i was like what do you do with the electricals and when i went online and and found recycle your electricals i was like oh there is actually a website that you can donate them to yeah. oh, the excitement was like i don't just touch up these in the recycling or i don't just take them to the charity shop and then they have to I think they have to test everything and make sure everything works. You know, you're giving them to somebody that you know is going to house them in a, a much more suitable, beneficial way. It also gets and, you out of the tip run, which I think is, I mean, at the moment, tips are quite yeah. busy. You know, there's a lot of people going to the oh, tips. Oh, yes. You have to book the tip at the moment. Yeah. And it's a queue to get in, but there is nothing better than your man going to the tip. <laughs> is that right? Is that... <laughs> I love it when there's a, a tip a slot books because I'm like, right, brilliant. I can do a clear out before Monday at 11 o'clock. <laughs> the but there is something about, the thing is about the tip is you do feel like it's wasteful, I suppose. I mean, you, you are recycling stuff, but it feels a bit wasteful in the sense that somebody would, would use this more. Yeah. Than it just being chucked. Yes. And that's what I love. Especially when I you're just hoying it in the skip, isn't it? You know, you just. Oh, like... it's, it's brutal, isn't it? It's a certain, yeah, there's a certain something about it. If it's completely wrecked, yeah, fair enough. But if there's any chance someone could get a second life use out of it, use the site. Make the most of it. Yeah. Recycleyourelectricals.org.uk.
I like it. I like it. It's called Clutter Wars. And yeah, I mean, make some space. Because there seems to be, and look, correct me if I'm wrong, and apologies for making assumptions, but you seem to be down this really interesting path of, of, of just sort of having it all sorted. You, you've got your yoga, your kind of life seems to be in balance. Am I completely misreading from the outside looking in? Or, or are things well, pretty I'm, good? No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all one for gratitude and I'm very grateful at the moment. My life is you know, rosy, I'm happy and I have a positive outlook when I'm when things aren't great, but I do feel like some days are yoga and they're zen like and you know, some days are, are chaos and clutter. So it's not it's about getting the balance, isn't it, through your life. And I'm still learning that. I don't think you ever stop learning about that balance. I know what I need when I'm stressed and I know I need to meditate and do some yoga and, and that kind of gets me out of a, a stress hole. Um, but yeah, it's not always that plain sailing. Mm. Yes, true. And of course, there's, I mean, for, for me, again, I can only talk to, to looking at you from the outside. I don't know you, we've never met before, but I've, I've obviously seen the things you've been doing and, and, and the way you've used lockdown, for example. And, and isn't it joyful that, that we're coming out the other side and the world is turning again? But it strikes me that actually you've had a really quite productive lockdown. You know, you. Yes, well, at, at first, it was, it was for me, I found it horrific. I was like, I, don't, I couldn't get motivated to do anything. And then we did a series of dumb breeding, mm. which was really quite um, inspiring because my friend wrote, Julie Graham wrote all of that very, very quickly. And we filmed it quickly. And then projects started to happen that were being streamed. And I think I said yes a lot to lots of things because um, we'd, we'd stopped our theatre production of The Seagull just before we, we opened. And, yeah, I think it does. It, the whole of lockdown, I know it's, the word unprecedented has been used continually and it was unprecedented, but we, now I do feel like an awful lot of positive stuff has come out of it. Um, and I'm not desperate to rush back into the big wide world. Mm. I, I'm dipping my toe and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy. I know I'm happy and I'm very lucky and grateful. Yeah, no, that's a, what, what a positive way to be. I mean, if I'd said to you, say, three years ago, so before anyone yeah. knew what COVID-19 was and all this sort of stuff, oh, well, guess what? You know, you and Denise Welsh, you'll be doing something together, but, but you know, you'll be setting up the cameras yourself and you'll be doing it at home. You would have thought I was kidding, wouldn't you? Of course, absolutely. But the thing is, is there isn't a, like, there's no destination to your career. It's a journey. So sometimes you're doing the craziest things and sometimes you're, you know, doing check-offs. So it, it goes, it, it's it's a really strange uh, industry, but I am loving the surprises. Yeah. And, and the pandemic brought some surprises. Well, it's, I mean, one of the great things about the arts is is the resilience, isn't it? I mean, everybody, everybody that wants to be an actor or a performer or whatever, nobody sort of thinks they just walk into it and get famous and loads of money. Everyone kind no. of knows there's going to be a, a schlep. There's going to be potentially, oh, yeah. you know, waiting tables or working in theatres and sweeping aisles yeah. and this, that and the other. Everyone's kind of aware of that. So when the pandemic hit, yes, of course, theatres were closed and cinemas were shut and it was horrible. But you did find that there were some very innovative ways to get content done. Absolutely. I mean, you had to be very quick thinking because suddenly, you know, it was all about streaming stuff. And some people aren't made for that. You know, some of, some of my actor friends were then doing, you know, monologues and poems and singers were singing. And at first, I, 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 
the whole talking to a camera thing, I was like, oh, I don't think I can get involved in that. And then actually you realise it's just part of your business. It's part of your industry. you just got to kind of embrace it, really. And, yeah, what a, what a resilient industry, really. Gosh, I, it, some of my friends, what they've done in, in their lockdown time, can't quite believe it. I mean, I'm sure it's been a haven for writers that mm. just needed to chill, sit down and do, you know, and get their deadlines done. Um, but nothing came out of it that, that shocked me too much. You know, it was like, oh, brilliant. Oh, gosh, that's weird. Right, on with the next. <laughs> yes, and you're so right. There were a lot of books that, that happened during lockdown. And how was yeah, it? books and TV, lots of writing happened, didn't it? Yeah, which is, which is wonderful because usually that then follows because they then become potential TV movies and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, absolutely. And also lots of podcasts. There were a lot of podcasts, yeah. As as a as a bloke with a couple of pods myself, I wasn't wild about all the competition. I'll be honest with you. You know that yeah. was oh great, it's another big, very famous person's doing another pod. That's yeah okay. That'll be another load of listeners we don't get. There we are. <laughs> but, yeah. But now the world's turning again. They'll stop, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> feel... It's true because they'll be busy doing other things. Exactly. I feel better about that. Um, but of course, you know, you also took a, a really interesting sideline. I, I think this was lined up pre-pandemic, but please correct me if I'm wrong. You started directing. Um, I did. It wasn't like well, I tell you what was lined up—a a bigger version, a different version of what we did, which mm. which um, Denise had put together. Um, and then when her one-woman play with music was on it, it did really well then the pandemic hit and so she said I, I, I want to do it for a camera I want to stream it and I really think you should direct it and of course at first I was like but why me why don't you get somebody that's done loads of directing and I have directed before but not not very much quite new to me and I, I really loved it because she's got all the skills you know she, you don't re- you don't need to do very much with Denise's you know, she had a finished product that was selling very well and it was a great little play. And what I did really was adapt it for the screen. So where she is a, a theatre performer, I, I kind of had to bring it down and it was just lovely watching her become really raw. Mm. And yeah, really enjoyed that. So hopefully some more of that would be good. No, it sounds good. But can you just, because I'm, I'm very ignorant to these things, so please apologise. I, I do apologise for this. But yeah. obviously, you know, you mentioned you were working with Denise Van Outen and you called it a play with music. How is that, how is that different to a musical? What does that mean? Um, because it only had a couple of tracks that she sung. Okay. That were in quite poignant moments it wasn't like a sung through musical it was it was mainly a monologue with a couple of songs um so that's what it 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 wasn't a musical no kind of dancing there was yeah she called it a film a play film okay Okay, yeah, I suppose a musical in layman's terms is basically where you're just you've got a bit of dialogue to get to the next song Kind of. It depends what musical it is. But this was very definitely a reflective piece. So she was reflecting on her past. And she only breaks into song like twice. And they're both really beautiful moments. I mean, you you should watch it. It's very funny. Yeah, I should. It sounds fun. What's it called? Oh, now you've got me. Some girl I used to know. Some girl I used to know. I did have it written down just in case. <laughs> you've been lovely. Thank, thank you for you. thank you for your company. I appreciate it. Oh, it was lovely to chat. <laughs>
If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth, so please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review, and share. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.